Welcome to Day 93 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with uh, Cindy Kemp and David mm-hmm. Keefe as we continue our journey through the book of Acts. Uh, we started the book of Acts in the city of Jerusalem as a Holy Spirit and it comes on the believers and have a powerful testimony to God. And we see Peter and John and their ministry in Jerusalem and then we see a persecution and Philip and Stephen as the gospel you know, goes out from the city of Jerusalem. Then we follow the ministry of Peter for a little while as he introduces the gospel to the Gentiles. And then the focus becomes Paul as Paul takes the gospel, you know, from the city of Jerusalem all the way. Uh, We're on our way to Rome. We've been stalled in Caesarea, which is a Roman provincial, you know, town in the area of Judea or Israel. It's on the seacoast, and this is where usually Rome rules from a distance. Uh, not to get involved in the powder keg that is sometimes Jerusalem. We have just changed governors. We've moved uh, from uh, you know Festus to Felix, or is, is it the other way around? Did I just miss that? Festus we've moved from Felix. Group. We've moved from Felix to Festus. I'm sorry. I always get those two names, you two names involved. And so uh, Paul has appealed to go to Caesar. Uh, Felix is not, you know, quite sure. You know, Festus is not quite sure what to write to Caesar, so he invites Scrippa to hear his plea, and that's where we find ourselves uh, as we continue in chapter twenty-six. Uh, before we before we begin, as always, we we realize that God's word is far more than a story we read and get caught up in. It's far more than a a book of moral principles, you know, that we live by. It is the heart of our God who invites us into relationship with himself to be transformed by his spirit and, of course, as we call the podcast, to be shaped by his word, uh, to have his heart, to have his character, and to see with his eyes. So before we read scripture, we always offer ourselves in a moment to the Lord. Cindy, do you mind doing that for us? No, not at all. Father, we do uh, come to this moment offering ourselves to you. And Lord, whatever that looks like in our hearts right now, whether we are dealing with sin or, Father, we need a word of encouragement or, Father, we just need to um, love you and trust you in a deeper way, you know exactly where we are and what we need, and we thank you for that. We thank you that you are intimately a part of our lives and that you know us. So take this time in your word, and we just pray that by your spirit you would move in our hearts, Father, to respond, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Agrippa uh, has come in with great pomp and circumstance, and he is prepared, prepared to hear the Apostle Paul. So that's where we pick up at verse 26, uh, in chapter 26, verse 1. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and the controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way that I have lived ever since I was a child from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify if they are willing that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion living as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope and what God has promised our ancestors that I'm on trial today. This is a promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they serve God earnestly night and day. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? 
I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, when do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. The Lord replied, Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sin and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day, so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen. The Messiah would suffer, and as the first to rise from the dead, would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You're out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. I'm not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I'm saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. King rose and with the governor and Bernice and those sitting with them. After they left the room, they began saying to one another, this man is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. So you have one of the many trials of Paul. Uh, he's um, offered an impromptu defense. And in the middle of the crowd, you know, that was seizing him on the steps, you know, to the Roman, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Roman uh, Praetorium, uh, he was on trial before the Sanhedrin. And of course, he's whisked away in the night and is on trial, you know, in Caesarea. Uh, again, he's been on trial in Caesarea with, you know, Festus. He's on trial before Felix and before Festus. And you have, you know, King Agrippa hearing him. And uh, you have one of his most uh, you know, impassioned. So this is the third time we heard you know Paul's story, and every time we get a little bit more of the story, there's that famous you know saying in the middle of it, Paul, it's hard for you to kick against mm-hmm. you know the goad. How long can you resist what God is doing, you know, through the Messiah, you know, through the you know uh, through the Lord Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ. So we have another impassioned defense, and this one gets intensely personal as he turns from you know Festus who says you're you're out of your mind <laughs> uh, and he says no I'm not out of my mind this is very reasonable and I know Agrippa gets it I know that he's been around us long enough that he knows what the prophets say and I even think you believe the prophets don't you 
Agrippa, and of course Agrippa pulls back. He says, "I, I, I don't know what you're trying to do here, Paul, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm not, I'm not going along." Mm-hmm. And, and so you have this uncomfortable moment where once again someone you know walks walks away. So what are some of the other things you know that stand out you know, to you guys as you read this, read this you know this trial you know there in Caesarea? You know, I really like just verse twenty-two um, as we're kind of been moving our way through all these places Paul's been going to and all these people he's been staying in front of, some of them extremely important people. But we also know Paul spends many times just at his home and we'll see even later on in Acts, you know, ministering to anyone that came to him. And so I just love this kind of summary, you know, that God's helped me to this very day. So I stand here and testify to small and to great alike that regardless where Paul finds himself, he's, he's testifying about Christ. And as he even says, the one that was promised to our ancestors and the ones that the 12 tribes are still looking for and, and hoping to see that the one that's been raised from the dead. And so I love getting to see that God's with him. And because of that, you know, he's able to testify to the gospel wherever he finds himself. And of course, you have a wonderful, you have the wonderful scope of the gospel here, small and great, mm-hmm. uh, my people and the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. So it covers, you know, people of high standing, people of low standing, and, and people of every nation, you know, tribe and, and tongue, not just a gift. You know, to God's people who are natural descendants of Abraham, but also the spiritual descendants of Abraham as well. And I love that. You know, God has helped me to this very day. Mm -hmm. And as we read the story of Paul, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of tragedy, a lot of hardship. Uh, We've seen him, you know, stoned. We've seen him beaten. We've Mm -hmm. seen him imprisoned. Mm -hmm. And we're about to see him caught up in an epic sea voyage, you know, where he's going to be shipwrecked. And uh, you, you see all kinds of hardship, but through all of this, you see God's hand, you know, gently, you know, guiding them. And of course, the way we want God to guide us is we want, you know, just the easiest, you know, kind of path possible with just maybe a, a little hip, you know, hiccup here and there. But that's not what we see in the book of Acts. We see God's hand working in the middle of human hardship and human tragedy in order to clarify and bring the gospel home. And a lot of times the power of the gospel is in the witness of how we respond, mm-hmm. you know, to these circumstances. Mm-hmm. And along with that, um, I know we've mentioned this before, but during the retelling of his encounter with Christ in verse 15, um, he asked, who are you, Lord? And, and the response was, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's amazing to remember again that Jesus is identifying with his church and with his people, you know, as far as the persecution yeah, goes. So yeah, we're not so closely too. We're not doing that alone and we're not suffering alone. And, and of course Paul will later when he you know, when he shares the gospel, adopt the imagery of the body of Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we're organically connected, you know, to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so it's not, you know, just a an organization or a group of, you know, followers. It's people who are uniquely connected to Christ and Christ is uniquely, you know, connected to them. And that's his whole image, you know, for who we are. We are people who are united with Christ and you see the passion with which Christ expresses that. You're you're not persecuting my friends, you're not persecuting a few people I love, you're not persecuting, mm-hmm. you know, my followers. You are, you know, persecuting you're persecuting me. And yeah, then no. we, we go ahead, David. Oh no, I, you seem excited. It, it, so this is going to be really good. I, I know. No, it's just. Oh. Yeah. I'm always. I love hearing Paul's story, just to seeing the dramatic change in his life from mm-hmm. how fiercely he was persecuting the church, not just in Jerusalem, but he's like he's going after people in other cities, as he calls them foreign cities, which is mm-hmm. on his way to Damascus, mm-hmm. and getting to see how the gospels come in and redeemed him, and now he's going beyond 
Jerusalem, not to persecute, but beyond Jerusalem for the sake of the gospel, to advance this Christ yeah. mm-hmm. that he was once trying to stop. And so I just love how God is in the middle of that story mm-hmm. and, and using that in such a kind of beautiful image of, of how God redeems people and places and calls us. And he even says there, you know, I'm, I'm sending you to them. Yeah. And so he, he, he's sent now not to persecute, but to advance the gospel, it's which is so night, cool. Yeah. Day, yeah. In essence, Agrippa, I'm the last person mm-hmm. you would have expected to be here because I feel just the way those who are bringing charges against me felt. And matter of fact, I was the one bringing charges. Mm-hmm. And, and I like that, you know, where he said he not only, you know, gave approval, you know, to those who are being put to death, which may indicate that it was more than just, you know, Stephen. Uh, whom he, you know, whom he yeah. saw, you know, being, you know, stoned. But he even said, you know, I try to cause them to blaspheme. In other words, to trap them in their words and to get a serious mm-hmm. charge against them, you know, so that I could do that. But uh, I've seen the risen Christ, and because I've seen the risen Christ, uh, everything about me, my perspective on life, the way that I live, mm-hmm. what I live for, all of it has changed. And I like the little note. He gives a little time note, you know, about the time of day. It was noon. And there was a bright light. Mm-hmm. In other words, when the sun was as bright as there was still a brighter mm-hmm. light. And of course, that takes you back to the glory of God in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. where it's shown brighter, you know, than the, than the day, which is kind of kind of just a fun little in a piece in the middle of this. Mm-hmm. Great description, you know, of the gospel. There's a you know, I am sending you to them, mm-hmm. you know, in verse, you know, yeah. a, 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 let's see. 17. Verse 17, right. Mm-hmm. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from mm-hmm. the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sin and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. What wonderful gifts. Mm-hmm. You know, the gospel opens our eyes. It uh, dispels the darkness mm-hmm. in our life. It, it uh, mm-hmm. frees us from the power that enslaves us and gives us you know, true freedom you know, in Christ. It brings forgiveness of sin, and, and of course, through faith, we are made acceptable before God. Mm-hmm. You know, sanctified by faith in Him. So wonderful, you know, wonderful call or description of what the gospel you know does in our life, and, and of course, the call of the gospel you know comes you know down in verse you know uh, twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, I preach that they should repent and turn to God, and to demonstrate their repentance by their their deeds. A great line. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't say, you know, get your act together and do good deeds, repent and turn to God, and uh, the deeds will follow. Mm-hmm. And just as he was transformed, you know, by his encounter in Christ, mm-hmm. our encounter may not be as dramatic, but it's every bit as powerful mm-hmm. and every bit as transforming as his through the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, working us. And God knows exactly what it takes to turn our hearts to. I mean, the pressure that is applied and clearly this is what Paul yeah God needed. is deeply personal with every one of us yeah. and he has met he met Paul on a horse on the way to Damascus he yeah. may have met you you know when you're in the kitchen you know loading the dishwasher or the church service or in a quiet moment mm-hmm. you know but but God orchestrates his encounters with us in a uniquely personal yeah. way none of us mm-hmm. you know come to him in exactly the same way none of us walk with him in exactly the same way yeah. but all of us have received the same gifts mm-hmm. and the same powers present in our life so the gospel is deeply exciting and we need to remember how transformative it is mm-hmm. that we have seen the glory of god in the person of christ brighter than uh, the light of any noonday sun yeah and then that's been fun on that part. We must close now. So, David, why don't you uh, 
lead us out of this moment with a word yeah, of let's prayer. Pray. Father, we thank you so much for the, the great reminder of who you are and how even promised a long time ago to our ancestors, um, we get to see now um, that you are opening eyes and you are turning people from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. And so, Father, thank you so much that we've received forgiveness of sins and that you are now sanctifying us. And so may we, um, as the people of God, may we who have turned to you, may we demonstrate our repentance by, by our deeds. And we thank you that you're with us and that your spirit empowers us to, to do this and to be your people. And so may we today be your people. And we pray this all in the great and the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.